Well, hello, and welcome back to another season of the Called Out Cafe. I'm your host, Doug Hooley, and I'm excited (laughs) to be back with you after a very busy summer. I could talk a long time about what I did this summer, but that's probably not why you tuned in today. Well, if you're new to this podcast, let me bring you up to speed. I started the Called Out Cafe about two years ago with a series that was based on my first book. The title of that book is Watch. Watch is a book uh, that's about 400 pages long, (laughs) which comments on a passage in the Bible that's only about four pages long. That passage is called the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse was a talk that Jesus had with just a few of his disciples in which he discussed his future return to this earth. The next series I did on the Called Out Cafe was titled The Biblical Worldview of the Spirit Realm. Ever since the beginning of the so-called Age of Reason, or the Enlightenment, the entire part of creation which we can't see, you know, the spirit realm, has been downplayed by much of the church. Well, that series accounts for the history of the unseen realm and the part it plays in our world according to the Bible. If you don't know this background information in the Bible, you're going to miss out on about half of what Jesus accomplished when he was on earth the first time. The series we ended with last spring, the third series, was based on my second book titled False Christian Gods, Choose Your Jesus Wisely. In that book, I support my claim that polytheism is running rampant in the church today. There are many different forms, many versions of Jesus that are worshipped, many of which are so far off from the authentic Jesus of the Bible as to create a new false god. I talk a lot about truth and the importance of staying Jesus-centered instead of me-centered in that book as we read and study the Bible. Well, that catches you up on the series of the past. Please check them out if you haven't before. Every once in a while, as time allows, I throw in a special edition here and there that has much more to do with like current events. But for the most part, the podcasts, at least so far, have been topic-based and they remain as relevant today as when they were first recorded and published. So, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've been talking about my new book, Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus. I've been working on it for like over six years. Well, that book has indeed now been released and is available on Amazon.com since, oh, for about a week or a week and a half now. It's in paperback, it's in Kindle, and it's in hardcover versions. Well, you can watch a video trailer on the book on my Doug Hooley Ministries YouTube channel. You can either go there directly or you can access the YouTube channel through my website found at DougHooley.com. My website's all up to date now if you've been there and noticed that it wasn't. If you decide to buy the book or you've already purchased it, please go back and leave a review. It would mean a lot to me and it helps people make their decisions on what books they're going to buy. Well, leaving the church to follow Jesus is what the new Called Out Cafe series is going to be based on. So, if you're going to read the book, why would you want to listen to the podcast? Or, if you're going to listen to the podcast, why would you want to buy and read the book? I am, after all, going to be reading much of what I say directly from the pages of the book. Well, there are several reasons you'd want to still get the book. 
the book will be good for a quicker and more concise version of what I'm going to be covering. Secondly, the book seriously is like a reference book. It covers the entire New Testament regarding the specific topic we're going to be talking about. And it covers almost 2,000 years of church history, like all of church history and beyond. It'll be something you're going to want to hang on to and refer to for a long time as a tool. Now, why would you want to listen to the podcast if you read the book? Well, the book is long. (laughs) It's over 500 pages long. So it's probably going to take me at least nine months worth of podcasts, if not more, like probably like 30-some episodes, to cover the material. That might be longer than you want to wait to get the information, especially after you start to realize how important this topic is. Though, you know, the book, I said it's over 500 pages long. I cut out somewhere around another 500 pages when all is said and done, so it would fit in a book that people could have any hope of reading in this lifetime. In other words, I have a lot of other important stuff to talk about other than only what made it into the book. I'll also occasionally be able to work in some current events to what we're talking about along the way. Well, like I said, the book was released just a short time ago, just a few days ago, and I'm already receiving really positive feedback about it. The thing that I'm not surprised by, but find very reaffirming, is the number of people who have made comments about their own experience in leaving the church in the past after becoming disillusioned with it. Then, what unfortunately seems to be common is that after they've left the church, they experience these feelings of alienation and self-doubt and loneliness. And not only that, but some have experienced the doubts of others who question their authenticity as a Christian. I mean, simply for not attending an institutional church any longer. Leaving the church to follow Jesus could not be a better cathartic thing for those who have experienced that to read. They're going to find that they're not alone and that there's a sound scriptural and historical basis for the actions they took in leaving their church. Now, I'm not saying that that's right for everyone, but there are many, many reasons. If you stick around through this season and uh, listen to the podcast, you're going to see many reasons why the church today is not as it should be. You know, of course, the divine sovereign nature of God is everything as it should be, but um, it is drastically different from the kingdom of God that we read of in the Bible. The church as I'm going to uh, make claims of, is a counterfeit of the kingdom of God or the ecclesia, the called out people of God. Well, in the past couple of decades, studies have shown that people are leaving the local churches in droves. As a matter of fact, there's a new study that's just out from the Pew Research Center. Is it that or is it the Barna Research Group? One of those, there's a new study. I just heard this on the news last night that by the year 2050, they believe that uh, the church or Christians will only make up 35% of the population in the United States. And that compare that to the 1950s, where 90% of Americans claim to be Christian. The church, as we know it today, and Christianity is on its way out. Now, why is that? Is it because God isn't who he says he is any longer? Or, you know, perhaps some people who are leaving the church... Many, in fact, millions, according to statistics, 
are not leaving it because they don't love Jesus anymore or don't believe in him, but because they're becoming disillusioned with the church. Now, if they are, if any percentage of these are authentic followers of Jesus, don't you just suppose that it might be that they notice that the church does not line up with what the Bible says it should be? So most of this leaving the church in droves has little to do with or anyone losing their faith, right? It has far more to do with seeking truth and authenticity. Church leaders seem to try and appeal to this world that we're living in. You know, the people that are out there that they want to draw into their churches. Well, that's often with good intentions. However, the net result of appealing to the world leads to adaptation and compromise. It ends up with the church being something other than the core principles that are represented in the New Testament are all about. Authentic followers of Jesus probably sense that, and the Holy Spirit inside them is going to make them feel uncomfortable when that's the case and they're sticking around. Well, along with this feeling of uncomfortableness, <laughs> they may feel conflicted or confused because they love the people that they're attending their church with. They might be intellectually convinced that their church is a great place to be because of the good that it's accomplishing in the world. That it seems like a Christian thing that should be happening is what's going on at their church. It may be that their church appears to be successful by worldly standards. There are a bunch of people going there. They have all the money that they need. Well, they take this popularity as an affirmation that their church is right on track. Their pastor might be dynamic. He might be a good friend or he's entertaining or a gifted speaker. How could he be wrong? Commitment to tradition and feelings of nostalgia play into all of this. There's all sorts of things that can work together to cause people cognitive dissonance. Of course, cognitive dissonance is what occurs when we have two conflicting ideas trying to live in our brains together. It's uncomfortable. It causes us to tell ourselves stories and live in denial at times. Leaving the church to follow Jesus is all about providing information. My intention is to inform listeners or readers with things that are most seasoned Christians today have never even been previously made aware of. Now, that sounds ominous, like I'm going to try to challenge your faith. On the contrary, I'm going to provide faith-building defenses for following Jesus. In any search for God's truth, Jesus will always be found waiting at the end of it, because He is the truth. What we'll be doing is taking a fresh, non-tradition-based look at the New Testament specifically regarding what it says about the purpose and function of the followers of Jesus when they gather in his name. Then, since the principles we see in the New Testament will be drastically different than what we see taking place in the church today, we'll take a look at church history to see what happened to cause the church to turn into what it is today. Essentially, what I found after thousands of hours of research and reading and writing this book is two things. Here it is boiled down as offensive as it might sound with any further explanation. The church, with a capital C, in the universal or greater body sense of the word, is a man-made counterfeit organization. It's a counterfeit 
of Jesus' authentic, called-out followers that he referred to as his kingdom, you know, the kingdom of heaven, or his ecclesia, the called-out ones. We're going to talk a lot about what that means. Secondly, local churches, like the ones located on any given street corner across America, are drastically way off base in their practices, their traditions, their rituals, and what they say their primary mission is. The whole reason they're getting together and doing stuff together. That is despite most of these churches claiming that everything they do is supported by the Bible. Okay, so those are a couple of bold statements, and I am very confident in both of them. The ramifications of these claims I just gave you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, they're kind of obvious. And if true, they're extremely important to consider and possibly take action on. It's my hope that you just didn't click me off right there, but that you're enough of a, tre- of a truth seeker to stick around and listen to me make my case for these claims. But please, don't automatically buy what I'm saying. Just consider it. And check it out for yourself. I'm sure if you stick around that the case you're going to hear is a rock-solid one. But (laughs) I'm convinced that if we were to go back 400 years, leaving the church to follow Jesus would have been voted the most likely book to get its author burnt at the stake. (laughs) Or at least excommunicated. I don't say that lightly, even though I may chuckle about it. But I didn't write the book to be controversial. I wrote it in the pursuit of truth and authenticity. I like people and pro-social endeavors as much as the next person. However, I am compelled by my master, Jesus, to be faithful to him and his truth over supporting any institution that says it represents him but can't possibly represent him according to scripture and history. Before I get into it, there's a, a couple, like a few people that I want to let you know about who helped me out with this book. You're going to read their names in the acknowledgments section. Above all, I have Almighty God to thank for predestining that he would call me and give me the life and endurance to research and write this book. As much work as I put into researching, writing, and publishing it, I recognize it's completely his to use or not use as his will dictates. It's because I'm his servant and he's irresistibly (laughs) compelled me to accomplish this work that I did it. There's nothing more important to me than my master and being about his business. I always say if only one person reads one of my books and God uses it to help or comfort them to see truth more clearly, it was all worth it. The thought thrills and humbles me that I could be used as a tool in my master's hands. I also write because I want to leave my descendants a clear picture of what God has revealed to me, like what are the most important things in life that I want them to know. I think it's the most loving thing that I could ever possibly do. In fact, I've dedicated this book to my grandkids, William, Violet, and James, and any other grandkids that God may bless my family with in the future. So I got to talk about my lovely wife, Angela. (laughs) It's our habit during the day to get together for morning and afternoon coffee breaks and stay caught up with what the other one's doing. Angela endured hundreds, (laughs) if not thousands, of hours of me recounting church history to her 
which was not always fun and encouraging to hear. Somewhere along the lines, I could see her almost dread, <laughs> almost dreading the latest thing that I'd been reading about. Well, despite that, God regularly used her as his favored tool to keep me going through the whole writing process. Well, other than Angela, Marty Tadlock is my best friend. We were deputy sheriffs in the trenches together for years, and that was years ago now. He's a dear eternal brother and fellow bondservant of my master. Besides being a mammoth source of encouragement and a sounding board, he's also an artist with editing and manipulating photographic images, and he's the guy that's responsible for creating the book cover artwork. You know, Jesus busting out the wall of the church. A guy named Earl Craig down in California, my son-in-law Dan Mewson, my daughter Rachel Chase, Pastor Jim Marcus, Marty and his wife Julie Tadlock, and my sister Sally all agreed to take on the daunting task of beta reading a 550-page book on a very controversial subject. And get this, for no compensation. How incredible is that? I can't thank them all enough. Their input was very valuable. I got to give Jim Marcus bonus credit for reading the book and the extensive input that he gave me. Jim is a current Lutheran pastor. I, he's one of the guys that I always pictured reading my book when I was writing it. It had to be incredibly challenging for him in places in the book to want to continue thinking of me as a brother and friend because of how critical I am of the institutional church. It's a testimony of Jim's authenticity as a follower of Jesus that he continues to <laughs> think of me as his brother in Christ, let alone talk to me or <laughs> acknowledge me. I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't see Jim in a crowd of other pastors who might opt to take up pitchforks and torches after reading the book and take out after me. Well, if you read the book, the reason you won't be constantly plagued by typos and grammatical errors is because of Kelly Finley. He selflessly went over everything in the book with a fine-tooth comb. What a gift and act of love. Kelly is a retired newspaper editor and my brother-in-law, but he's a brother in more than one way. Then there's a guy that I got to acknowledge. His name is Johan. not going to give you his last name. I thought of him many times as I was writing the book. I'm not going to give you details to protect his identity, but what he did demonstrated his courageous character and authenticity as a believer, and it cost him. He has set an example for me. Essentially, he stood up for me. In the book, I also acknowledge the doctors God used to keep me alive during two heart attacks that I had while writing Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus. I know some evangelicals that I know would say, Why aren't you getting the message, Doug? God's trying to tell you to stop writing this book. You better stop writing while you're still alive. Well, to them, I would say, the book is now published. Looks like God kept me alive to get it done. <laughs> Finally, there's Copper, the Bernese Mountain Dog, who we call the Love Pig. <laughs> Copper is usually agreeable with what I write and is always happy to hang around me <laughs> even when he's not. So, I'm going to be making some big and controversial yet well-substantiated claims. Some may think that it's my goal to destroy or bulldoze the church 
It's not. So today I want to preface what I'm going to be covering and what I hope to accomplish in this series. The outcome that I hope for is first, those that read the book or listen to this series will become more kingdom of God and Jesus focused and less church culture centered. Second, that they'll understand the primary purpose and function of the ecclesia. Next, listeners or readers will understand the vast differences between what we now know as church from what we find in the New Testament, and that listeners will know where our current church traditions and culture comes from. Almost all are not from the Bible. It's my deep hope that listeners' belief in the authentic God of the Bible will be strengthened through this series and that those who currently attend traditional institutional churches and will continue to do so, that they do so informed with their eyes wide open. You know, there may be great reasons to stick at a church. Well, do so with your eyes open to these things. For those who do decide to leave a church, it's my hope that they'll only do so for the right reasons, and that they do so under the influence of Jesus' love. For those who continue to search for a traditional institutional church, I hope through this series that they will have more realistic expectations of what they can hope to find this side of Jesus' return. And I hope that those who serve in church leadership will be better biblically equipped to serve in that capacity. For those who decide to not be a part of a traditional institutional church any longer, well, I hope this series will help them understand their biblical options better. And finally, and this is a big one, and I'm receiving almost daily affirmation how important this is, I hope this series and the book will comfort those who have left the church but still love the authentic Jesus of the Bible that they'll not feel like they have sinned by doing so, or feel wrong in doing so, or feel alone. Many have communicated how that was the case when they left the church. These folks need to know that there are many good and valid scriptural-based reasons for not being a part of what we call church. Now, I define truth as reality from God's perspective. It's my intention in this series to inspire or challenge those whom Jesus has chosen to be his companions in his eternal kingdom to commit to discovering the authentic truth contained in the Bible regarding what it says about gathering in his name. I want to encourage those same brothers and sisters in Christ to have courage to follow Jesus wherever it is that he wants to take them. Finally, whatever wisdom dictates one's response to God's authentic truth. I plead that it's accomplished in the same kind of love that Jesus once associated with his name. It's not my intention to cause followers of Jesus to stop attending church on Sunday mornings. I am not trying to start a new church or denomination. I in no way claim to have the divine silver bullet formula for how true believers should organize themselves and come together in the name of Jesus. What you're going to be hearing is not intended to be a comprehensive exegesis of the New Testament regarding all scripture pertaining to the gathering of believers. It's also not intended to provide a comprehensive history of the church. To completely cover both of those subjects, I mean, I would be doing this for years. 
those who desire or want to acquire such knowledge are going to spend thousands of hours doing so. While researching leaving the church to follow Jesus, I filled several bookshelves. Additionally, I read more than 120 English translations of ancient books, letters, fragments of documents, and other papers online. I read many modern scholarly papers exegeting scripture, commenting on history, and defending various positions on ecclesiology. I viewed countless hours of recorded lectures on church history. I listened to many hours of audiobooks while picking blueberries on our small farm. I stopped many times to make notes. I remember I, I listened to most of uh, the Summa Theologica for, I think, 40 hours of it. At times in the book, because of space limitations, I was forced to sum up an entire book's worth of knowledge in only a few sentences or even just included it as a footnote. Well, time will unfortunately cause the same limitation in this series. Anyone with expertise on one of the hundreds of topics I'm going to cover will be disappointed that I didn't mention something that they consider to be important or that I'm missing a point that they would make or that I oversimplified something. In my defense, let's say if you were an expert on Martin Luther's life and teachings and you had devoted your entire adult life to studying him and his writings, traveling to Wittenberg, Germany and writing several books about him on his doctrines, well, what is it specifically about his life and views of the church that you would sum up in only two paragraphs? Well, that's the kind of condensation of information that I've been forced to accomplish. I've been drinking church history from a fire hose for several years. In writing the book, I was forced to reduce a great lake's worth of fire hose water down to the size of a puddle. And sometimes it's really tough as important as all the information is, to keep it, <laughs> keep it interesting so you won't fall asleep. I want to keep you listening so you're going to get the big points. This stuff is just too important to lose you. Well, since in this series I'm going to mainly focus on what's happening in the modern Western evangelical church, once we get to the part of the series which focuses on church history, I'm going to be following only that historical line. So we're going to part ways, you know, uh, eventually with the Roman Catholic Church and then uh, the church splits into the East and the West and then there's the Reformation. We're going to follow that line and then to America. So those looking for a history of the church of the Eastern Orthodox or Coptic or even Roman Catholic Church after the Reformation, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to need to look elsewhere for, a, for the history. There's just too much to cover to be covering those also. After the Reformation, I'll focus mostly on the church in America. I'm going to be dealing with some of people's deepest, dearest held religious beliefs, traditions, and even their occupations. As I challenge those things, I'll surely stir up a variety of emotions. I can picture several people whom I've known in the church over the years saying something like, Oh, poor Doug. He must really be bitter about a bad church experience he had. Or, I wonder if Doug ever really was saved. <laughs> Others will become angry. I'm okay with all of that, so long as my challenge of their beliefs results in those same people re-examining the scriptures and seeking the truth 
of God above all else. It's my hope that the results of being challenged will give new meaning to the term good news and will be freeing and put a new kick in the step of committed followers of Jesus. Whatever your reaction, if you are a follower of Jesus and ecclesia, I want you to know I love you and I would love to keep the conversation going. And if you find yourself wanting to tell me something like, you're worried about me and you're praying that God would give me a mind to understand the church more clearly, I would say to you, I think your prayers have been answered. (laughs) I believe the work I've done has given me a very clear understanding of what the church is, as opposed to the kingdom of God or the ecclesia. Well, next time, I'm going to start off with an existential crisis that I had in church that I still remember very well. It was the experience that led to the writing of leaving the church to follow Jesus. But until then, I hope you consider buying the book. If you can't afford to purchase one, you can go to my website, DougHooley.com, and navigate to the products page. Then, under Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus, you're going to see a PDF file that you can click on. That's the entire book in PDF form that you can have for free. If you didn't know it, you can load PDFs into your e-reader, and it's almost like the Kindle version, just without a few of the bells and whistles. Please also consider subscribing to my YouTube channel, this podcast, Follow me on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It's the only kind of support that I'm going to ask of you. Anyway, until next time, may God bless you and Maranatha. Thanks for joining me today. Until my next podcast, you can follow me on Facebook by going to the Doug Hooley Ministries page. I'm on Twitter at at Doug H. Ministries. And I'm on Instagram at Doug Hooley Ministries. Find out about what I'm working on and read some of my blogs at DougHooley.com or email me at Doug at DougHooley.com. That's Doug at D-O-U-G-H-O-O-L-E-Y dot com. I'd love to hear from you. This has been the Called Out Cafe. So long and God bless. (laughs) 